Hello, and welcome to Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing big business in rural middle America. I'm Deb Barnett, also with Southern Illinois Now, or SI Now, where we focus on economic development in the Southern Illinois region as a great place to live and work and do business. And I'm Russell Williams. I'm director of Ethos. We are a small business incubator, co-working spaces. We do training and development here in downtown Marion, Illinois. Thank you for joining us. You're joining us in the Citadel building, which is found on Tower Square Plaza. And I want to thank our our sponsors for making this possible. Every time we have a podcast episode, thank you to Arcadia Wealth Group, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, Fowler Heating and Cooling, the Swinford Media Group, of course, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, and our producers at Union Street Arts. And you can join the small town big business community by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform. You can also listen and watch, so you can see us live and in person on YouTube. Uh, Simply search small town big business and subscribe for free uh, so that you don't miss our next release. Yeah, we have some very special guests. We do. They are the ones in green. They are. <laughs> yes. They can tell us about that, but can you tell us of about course. that? Of course. I am so excited to welcome today Jamie Green and Brooke Guthman um, to the podcast today. And it's it's going to be a little bit of a different conversation. Number one, because we have not just one, but two of you here today, but also because part of what you're doing in your small town and your business is helping other businesses and other entrepreneurs thrive. So let's back it up a minute though. And we're going to start just by asking a little bit about like, just tell us a little bit about you and uh, we'll start there. Okay. Yeah. My name is Brooke Guthman. I live and reside in Murfreesboro, Illinois. Um, I'm SIU graduate. um, But after that, I was dead set on leaving Southern Illinois and, you know, planting roots somewhere outside of my hometown community. Um, I was pretty quick to realize that everything I love is here. Um, I actually am currently the member services manager at Egyptian Electric Cooperative, um, located in Murfreesboro. And luckily for me, um, my job aligns with my newfound kind of passion of economic development. Um, At one of my conferences, I had heard um, a speech basically on downtown revitalization, and Hmm. it just confirmed something that I was that was already kind of pressed on my heart from Jamie and um, from that um, we created the revitalized 629 um, 66 movement as well as my husband and I purchased three commercial storefront buildings in Murfreesboro wow so you have a full-time job and all of the other things that you just mentioned yes okay yeah with three kids too three kids um but yeah so it kind of came about with um the theory of purchasing buildings and then encouraging others to, to do the same and, and help in that uh, revitalization movement of, you know, wanting to live and work in Murfreesboro and how it's a, a great place for that. So our first one was a coffee shop that, um, it, that was like the very first thing I wanted, uh, gathering space. And mm-hmm. um, Jamie had introduced me to, I think you guys have introduced him um, on here before, is TJ Cowan. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he came and looked at this building that, I mean, was in shambles. It it was leaking from the ceiling. It had termites, no power or water. And um, my husband actually did majority of the work um, himself, and we had it kind of move in ready for him to op- open up um, cold-blooded coffee. Wow. It was our first one. 
And that's the, the first of many businesses that have moved into downtown yes. Murfreesboro. Yeah. And so, Jamie, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and how you got into the downtown revitalization movement. Uh, I'm similar. Uh, my name is Jamie Green. I uh, grew up, born and raised in Murfreesboro and um, never really out went outside the walls of Murfreesboro. Uh, didn't drive on an interstate until I was 18 years old. Wow. Um, and so I was And which interstate set. was it? <laughs> um, it was 57. Oh, wow. So you just went, went for the yeah. big stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I uh, graduated from SIU as well um, and graduated in uh, radiologic sciences. So hmm. I was in healthcare for 20 years um, and then moved away similar to Brooke, dead set on uh, mm -hmm. leaving small town behind and never coming back. Um, and, and so, that's pretty common, I think, among a lot of, here. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. among yeah. a lot of, you know, high school age kids, they just want to see, see what's out there and, and think, oh, they're never coming back. But yeah. it, like the two of you, you soon realize yeah. how special home is. Yeah. 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 And we move, uh, we moved to uh, Louisville, Kentucky and northern Indianapolis um, for work. And um, it just, something didn't feel like home. And uh, there was an opportunity that um, came up that I still say was a blessing in disguise where my husband had lost his job. And so we decided to give Southern Illinois a try. Yeah. And so we moved back and um, I just soon realized that it wasn't the place that it was whenever I grew up and um, it was vacant. It was hmm. like an old movie in black and white where it was empty and you just are kind of walking around wanting to know where everybody is and where everything went. And um, a lot of negativity and, and just trying to reroute our life into, we had a small child at the time and figuring out where we go to school at, where we do these things at. And um, I just felt as though Murfreesboro was not the place that I grew up in. And um, the negativity that I heard, I felt as though if we were gonna decide to stay back there, we could be part of the problem or part of the solution. Hmm. And um, that was really kind of the, the tipping off point for us. My husband is not from Murfreesboro, and mm -hmm. so it was a lot of buy-in to get him to think um, it in a place like I did, one of mm -hmm. the memories of growing up there. And so um, we have three kids now, and that's basically been our motto ever since, is finding a way that we can create a space that our children would have an opportunity whenever they grow up to possibly stay and raise a family. And we can't rely on everyone else to do that. So we yeah. got started. And did you already say that what you do, are you full-time? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, um, I own my own insurance business with Country Financial in Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband and I both own SJ Properties. Um, started that in 2018, where we bought six commercial buildings um, and four apartments in downtown Murfreesboro on the block right beside Brooks. From the so, same owner. From the same owner. Yeah, really? about that. I think it was about four to six months apart. We yep. Purchased that them. did not have them for sale and okay. had refused to sell them for 20 years. Yes. Right. Wow. And she had done not much maintenance yeah. or work on them okay. in the times that she had them. I figured she owned them when I was about 10 years old. Okay, <laughs> wow. And yeah. how long have you two known each other? I mean, we went to school, school? together. Oh, we I were, see. We yeah. were probably about four years apart, mm -hmm. three years apart. So, mm -hmm. um, we connected over a common a commonality of wow. just a passion for our community, and we are involved in similar organizations and church. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yep, and our kids like that. Yeah. yeah, a couple of our kids are same age. Group. Yeah. Talk more about the Murfreesboro community for the folks that may be listening or watching, and they don't know Southern Illinois like we know Southern Illinois. But tell us, describe 
Murfreesboro, Illinois. I think people ask us that a lot. I feel like when we we go places, why Murfreesboro? Was it a good question? Why would your yeah? Why <laughs> why are you there? You know why there? I think probably a common denominator for us is that's home. That's where we feel like we're comfortable at, at home. But um, Murfreesboro has been a place where there has been so many. Um, opportunities that I think I didn't realize came about until I got older and I experienced the city and you experienced this this bigger setting and in a small community you I like being able to see people I know when I go places and I like being able to see um, familiar faces so when we talk about Murfreesboro it's you know maybe Maybe in the beginning it was part of, I'm going to be the saving grace of this town. Here I am going to try to swoop in and, and do this, and it's going to work, and it's going to be great. And that did not happen at, mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, and I would say probably one of the main goals is looking at this, looking at the town as a whole and seeing a lot of our peers and our ages move away mm -hmm. and saying, how can we get this back? How can we bring families back to this town so that they have opportunities? How can we move Murfreesboro back on the map? because it, it was when we were younger, it was mm -hmm. a place that flourished and businesses and buildings and people. And and so what what can we do to add this back on the map? Because it seems as though our town has been forgotten about. Uh, Murfreesboro is about seven miles west of Carbondale in Jackson County. Um, about Carbondale is where people. Southern Illinois University yeah, Southern is, Illinois if, University. if folks are familiar with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, we have Kincaid Lake. We kind of have a variety of um, I would say we're kind of a bed a bedroom community mm -hmm. to Carbondale, mm -hmm. um, but back in the day, you know, in the 1920s, before the tri-state tornado came through, it was a booming, a booming community, and you know, when the interstates and the malls came about, it kind of deadened in the 1970s, 1980s, and so, you know, kind of the brick and mortar is kind of now back on the scene, and that's kind of where we came in, and you know. Whenever I talk to my husband about doing this, like financially, he's like, well, I want to know why we would want to, you know, start Walnut Street Properties and, and what's the end, what's the end game? Like, what's it going to look like a, for us financially? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. It's, a, it's really a risk. And it was the largest risk that we have done, you know, you know, just as, assuming that you're going to have the buy-in from the community to support um, the investment that you're not only going to make in the buildings, but that they're going to buy in to move in a business. Um, so we have had no problem renting them or getting buy-in from the community. In fact, I have yet to have a building really sit vacant. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we have, have a waiting list. We, yeah, right like a, yeah, we've yeah. had people like, hey, I can call you if this the other two fall through on this. Um, so, yeah, we have three commercial storefronts and two Airbnbs. Um, now we have it being rented a little bit differently. Um, with COVID, we had it rented for a year lease um, to some SIU students and um, traveling nurses. But we've had it that even the Airbnb when I first opened it, I was amazed at the people from all over the United States and in the Midwest. They either come back to visit SIU mm -hmm. or come to the wine trails or were from here. I mean, it, it's really amazing to see how many people. 
come to the area. And you talk about the momentum. It seems like every time I turn around, there is a new business opening in downtown Murfreesboro. <laughs> and similar to what we're seeing here in Marion, similar to what mm-hmm. we're seeing in Benton, and I should, probably shouldn't have started naming communities sure. because they're all, it's all over mm-hmm. Southern Illinois. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of folks, you hear these negative messages about how rural America is dying, small towns are dying, and we're experiencing just the opposite. But talk a little bit about, like, how did that how did that momentum start? You mentioned it it was a risk. So how how did that all get started and and what kind of support did you find from the community? Do you want to answer that or me? Because I kind of feel like I could wrap it up into a few different things. Yeah. I I think um, you know, when people again ask, why did your husband and you decide to do this? If you talk to a financial person or you talk to a banker, there's no way that they would have told this this, this is a really good idea financially. Um you know, just all the things. Um, and and it was a, a two-year process to actually, for us to actually buy these buildings because, you know, we, we're not millionaires. We didn't have this money just saved up to dump on this. And any person would have probably said, you know, invest this money or do some, you know, do something else with this money that you know you can see your return on. And my husband, like Brooke's husband, is an engineer, so they're calculating numbers in their heads that doesn't make sense. And here we are saying we need to do this. And and several people approached in the beginning, you know, man, I, I bet you're making all this money off these buildings. And, you know, like this is just a great, great uh, income for you. And, and I, I don't really, and a money pit. I'm not saying that. You know, <laughs> this is it. And so it's really hard for people to grasp that we're not doing it for income. We're doing it because we have a small town that does not have an administration that has its private grant writer and that has staff with a city manager that can help recruit people for our town and help provide all these resources. We do the best we can with, you know, the administration that we have. But it was things that we were trying to do in the town, and, and we were getting no. Hmm. No. We've never done it that way. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. That's not what we do here. But it was like, we can't move the bar forward if we don't. So one of the things I think that pushed us over the edge to purchase the buildings and to go forward with this and the momentum behind it was we're getting told no. And I don't want to be told no. And we have to find a way to find a yes. But we have to show them. If we put it on paper and we would go to city council and we would talk to, you know, administrators, it was almost like there's no way you can do this. And so it was buying the building to prove that we could, proving that these buildings were willing to be saved, proving that this town was willing to be turned around, proving that we could bring back um, people and families to our town. And really that's been the biggest satisfaction, I think for me and my husband, is once we started organically, blocks to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south and people purchasing buildings, multiple buildings now, Mm -hmm. that they're getting out of the hands of people that just may not be local anymore, don't have the means to do it, maybe they're older, maybe whatever the reason is, and seeing that just organically happen without any type of, of, of fight or need. And we literally can't get buildings renovated fast enough, I, I think. So that's, that's mm-hmm. been the true motivation and momentum. Every time that happens, it's like, man, here we go. One more block, one more block. Let's just mm-hmm. keep going. So that's what I think drives us. And people want to be a part of something and where yes. things are happening. And that's, right. that's what's happening. 
That's what so I was going to say. What Jamie has not mentioned is that she basically revitalized the Murfreesboro Main Street hmm. um, organization. So between that um, and like the revitalize and having a um, an excited mayor, um, and then what Amy has been doing with Seventeenth Street and all of it together, I'm just I'm listening to this um, audible right now about leadership and about how organizations and things that just have it. And really what I think it, it is, mm-hmm. is a commonality of a passion to see the outcome, to see the vision. Yeah. And I feel like that's, it's kind of a, a combination of all of those things that really makes us in a unique time right now with, with what's going on downtown. Yeah. What, what is the name of that that you just mentioned? The, the audible. audible. Do you remember? I know um, folks will want to know. I want to know. It is by Craig Rochelle. It's yes. like lead, mm. uh, it's a leadership. Um, mm. How to lead like it matters is the like, name. And of then his it, book. yes, yeah. lead like it matters. That's mm. actually what I'm reading yeah. right now. I always it, lately I've been. Um, it's just it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back in my mind in different things. I always am very passionate about. There's a difference between coaching and leading. People can be a coach and they can't necessarily lead. Mm -hmm. People can be great leaders, but coaching isn't exactly their, you know, their strong point. And so I I really feel like there's a difference because if someone just coached us into doing this, I don't think the outcome Mm -hmm. would have been for Mm, two women in their, you know, in their thirties when we started and coming and doing something that. You know, we didn't have architects and this group of people that to come in and back us up, you know, and, and be able to provide us all these resources. We've had to go out and and do that. And so I think our goal is to lead, to consistently keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And then the coaching that I think it, it just kind of comes natural to the other people because then we can bring it back to saying, okay, I can do the same thing. I can do this mm-hmm. and I'm going to... Um, when we constantly tell people, you know, we're not withholding information. What do you need? What a, right, Our goal is to make the other experience um, for others better. And one of our goals with Main Street, um, the uh, train depot was gifted to us about two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're in the middle of revitalizing that as a, a place that someone can come and get all the information in one spot that we have had to go out and spend hours of our time trying to find out so that we can accommodate these people wanting to come to the town and start businesses. I always like to say collaboration over competition. I think that is a a underlying theme um, of wanting to authentically help each other and help the betterment of the community. It's not about how it's going to affect us personally or our business or our pocketbook. It is the belief that, that we we'll see it it all succeed. Yeah. So I have a burning revitalization question because I'm part of this downtown restoration, revitalization, whatever you want to call it, downtown Marion, where several of the buildings on Tower Square Plaza, who easily are 100 plus years old, and people have invested in those, including this building that we're sitting Mm -hmm. in, the Citadel building, um, hotel slash bank slash professional offices and then sat vacant for a couple decades so in your minds are you restoring these buildings back to what they look like previously or are you revitalize revitalizing them into usage for the future where's the balance between the two 
because that's what I'm trying to address mm-hmm. right now. Are we restoring it back to how it might have looked in the past, or are we creating something for the next generation? And how do you balance those? It might be a combination of the two. <laughs> and I'll tell you, finances uh-huh. has a lot to do with that. Yep. I, I would say the same. Um, I, when I describe it to people, I say uh, we are renovating them modernly historic. Okay. <laughs> because any time yeah. that, you know, we just did a 3,500 square foot building and a shared space, um, and it's kind of the first of its concept in our downtown and, and trying to take ideas that I have found in, in other communities and trying to bring that to Murfreesboro. It's, it's hard to rent out 3,500 square feet to one business, um, mm. you know, in today's today's world and economy. And so, um, you know, we, we chose to put money into restoring original hardwood floors that we could save. However, there are areas in those buildings that we cannot put back the way that it was due to supplies, due to, um, you know, cost of different, um, you know, different things. And we have to look at the money and the Mm -hmm. return. Um, Same thing with the outside. Uh, You know, we have intentions of trying to keep those the way that they they were. Mm -hmm. However, there's, you know, we've put awnings on some of the buildings, which is a different format of a little bit about what they used to look like when they used to have them on there. Mm -hmm. So I I think we do a good mix of Mm -hmm. how can we accommodate um, this to the best of the ability to welcome businesses here, but we still want that historic, um, because that's kind of the, um, landscape that we're going for downtown. And, and I see it in this circle that mm-hmm. we're in here at, in Marion is you're trying to mix, you know, we've got years and names and of people that have these buildings and, and they're kind of falling off and crumbling. And so those are things we would want to restore that would be, um, things we would probably put the money and invest in there and then kind of mix the old with the new. And I think what makes us a little bit unique, at least I would like Mm -hmm. to think so, is that my husband and I have made a decision to do the investment of the rehab. I know a lot of landlords will be like, Hey, it's your space. You do what you want Mm -hmm. with it. And for me, first of all, I want it to be done right. (laughs) So we, you know, we build that into our rent, but I think that's another thing is it has to be, you have to be able to do an investment that doesn't cost more than what you can get rent for. So we want to make it affordable to our tenants. Um, We want to have a nice space, a place that they can be for the long haul, not a fly by night business. So we are very conscious on the types of businesses that we're trying to attract and, and we are not shy to ask people to, hey, would you like to open up a, sep- a second location here? Hey, how about this? Right. And I feel like at the end of the day, what you charge in rent has a lot lot to do with that. Yep. So for those who have not been to downtown Murfreesboro, you mentioned a lot of different types of businesses. Give us a little bit of a rundown of some of the businesses that have come in. Because like I said, I every time I turn around, there's a new business. And in addition to what types of businesses are there. I know some of them have been really creative about partnering together to help reduce some of those costs. Well, I would, li- I would like to say one thing before we talk about that sure. is since the revitalization kind of has started, Jamie and I were both very much involved in that. Uh, we've had what, 15 to 16 new businesses open. I'm not saying yeah. that it's because and of that. And in what time frame? Is that, uh, well, just when to was some that? Perspective. It was like right at COVID. So I would say <clears throat> 2000, 2018, let's say, the last yeah. four mm-hmm. to five years. Yeah. And we've had two, maybe three 
businesses that have actually retired? Yeah. So during um, COVID, hmm. uh, we had out of the six commercial storefronts that we had, we had, uh, and it wasn't until after the year after actually, um, and she retired. She'd been in the business for a really long right. time. So that was, um, and, and it's uh, what Brooke was talking about, about, you know, the brick and mortar, it, it's a whole new concept now after COVID. You know, it's it's really hard for to get businesses to put themselves back in a brick and mortar mm -hmm. store, and so we can't renovate something and try to rent it out for this astronomical amount because COVID showed people to operate from home. But believing in the brick and mortar and still being able to park your car and walk downtown and walk for a few blocks to be able to get what you need is still something that I feel like is very important, especially when you can do it local mm -hmm. and you don't have to go to a big city to do it. So I almost feel as though we kind of had to restart the recruiting process over a little bit. Um, I know we're I know I've been looking for some retail and that's been really right. hard because mm -hmm. retail suffered quite a bit with um, COVID. And so, you know, putting ourselves in places um, to be able to s just pitch a, you know, conversation, hey, do you have a storefront? Mm -hmm. You know, would you like to, you know, what are your, how much space do you need? Like, what, what would you think about that? You know, and we look up facts, you know, we have different things. We, um, 7,000 cars drive by our buildings every day. And so we use those, um, you know, for powerful, you know, marketing. You know, that is your marketing. You're on the main, you know, you're on the main street um, to be able to do. So I think the recruiting process is just always for us. I think everywhere we go, we've got that in the, in the front of our minds mm -hmm. that we're here to talk about it. And the thing about it is, is if I don't have a space, if Brooke doesn't have a space, I want to find you a space. Mm -hmm. So it goes beyond our buildings, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to... Um, to come to Murfreesboro. We want sure. you to come. We want you to eat. We want you to shop. We want you to stay here. We want you to visit. We want you to come back. And it's not passing through. We want to find a place that you could stop and it would be a good fit for you. Right. So what building is open that we can get you in? And, you know, probably, I don't know how common this is in other towns, but I mean, we go probably more than we should and we find the building owner we contact them mm -hmm. we were like hey you know and it, sometimes it, that will just be it right there is that right. they will realize oh someone wants to rent my building oh i gotta yeah. get it fixed up you know that's an excellent service because mm -hmm. the you've got the gifts for connecting and matchmaking right mm -hmm. and if our small towns has somebody like that that has those gifts or can develop those mm -hmm. gifts that is really key to small town revitalization and growth. You both have those, but the, you're so enthusiastic. You're great spokespersons. Oh, well, good. Well, that's what I feel like is we want to find the people like I, whenever I talk to students, cause I'm involved with our CEO program locally is just like, find what you're passionate about and find a niche with that. Like every, like there is some aspect in the community that you can be involved in. And maybe it is the music program. You know what I'm saying at the high school, or maybe it's volunteering um, in another area, but that's what makes a community right. um, special, I think. But back to the buildings, something that we try to keep a good mix of, you were asking kind of the, the difference in the business businesses, but about making it places that you eat, making it service-driven. That's kind of what we had learned in our study for the Revitalize is that um, touch services, you can't order online. Um, but then you want to balance that with reasons for people to shop downtown. So then that's where you try to balance it with some retail. Um, and that's kind of what we, yep. our philosophy is on that. So I think you touched on something really important because it wasn't just that the two of you jumped into this and thought it was a great idea. There was some research behind it 
on the community side, right, or the Main Street side that kind of revealed these needs also. So for communities around small towns that do feel like their downtown was once something amazing and maybe it's not that anymore, what advice would you give to them on how to even get started with that and working with their community? I would, I would say a lot of what we started at um, was finding areas that need a cleanup, needs Filling a group gaps. of people that right. can come and, you know, <clears throat> I would say our first project in getting involved before we bought the buildings was coming into our town. We have a huge billboard that says, welcome to Murfreesboro. It was faded. You really couldn't read it. The landscaping below, well, there wasn't any. It was it was overgrown, looked like a bunch of railroad ties just kind of hanging out there that fell over at some point. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, man, perception is everything. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> which we teach our kids it's not. Because we, I teach, you know, we talk about the, with the kids, you know, it's on the inside of, you know, you have to get to know people from the inside. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, would come outward. But when you're talking about marketing your town and you're talking about business, perception is everything. Because if you drive by once and you don't like it, you're probably not going to drive by again. And so talked with my husband and got a group of friends together and we just designed a retaining wall and a couple businesses donated some dirt and some rock and um, went to the city and approached them. Hey, you know what? Do you have some money? We could plant some some things in here to make this look better. Contacted who was responsible for taking care of the sign because that was separate um, than the, the landscaping. And within, I don't know, a short period of time, we had the thing looking as if it was brand new. Um, we sketched it out kind of strategically. Now we can put Christmas lights on it. Now we light it up for different events for the town. Um, and it just became this, now you come to our town and you mm -hmm. see something that is well taken mm -hmm. care of, something mm -hmm. that is kept. And it, we, we made no money off of that. We just found a place or something in town. You know, mm -hmm. there's little curbs or little excerpts or little in front of different towns that we would go and just clean up landscaping. Mm -hmm. um, we have a cleanup day, Main Street manager or um, host a cleanup day every year. And that's where we have, we have church groups and we have volunteer groups of all ages come pick up trash downtown. We offer to wash windows for people's businesses. We, hmm. you know, offer to plant flowers and planters that are mm -hmm. right out front. You know, what do you need to be done to help your business be successful? You're the business owner, you're busy. What can we do to help? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we get the city involved by washing the sidewalks and just trying to make it a community It's event. the little things. Yeah. And it is yeah, the little things because right. we, uh, we get comments about the flowers and the things in town. And then now people donate money that you know, maybe they yeah. maybe they can't help in that way, but they want to donate funds to be able to help us purchase those things. So you can start small. You can start with something that doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's been a really great way to get our kids involved in the community. Yeah. So mm -hmm. at what point did that all change? Because it's like pushing the flywheel. We're just trying to get it started. And you mentioned some resistance at the beginning of this interview. But then after a while, the flywheel starts spinning mm -hmm. and it goes in the directions that you'd didn't think, right? Yeah. The people are so motivated and they're they're out there. At what point or what happened do you think that, did you see it going by itself? Um, when we purchased the buildings, um, about, so six commercial buildings, four apartments, only about 30% was occupied. So that was the biggest scare for my husband and for me, was that 
is this going to bring it, the income and the rent that they were paying was not going to pay the bills. It was not going to cover what we needed it to cover. And so my biggest fear, in fact, when we purchased it, one building went out, one business went out of business and the other one wanted a bigger space and moved. So then we only had two that were occupied. And um, that was probably the scariest moment because you didn't know what was going to happen. So immediately we just started cleaning up. We just started cleaning them up, like getting this stuff, you know, washing things and getting things moved out that didn't need to be, uh, getting lighting put in to where they were actually recognized and and being able to notice them. You know, we, we bought and made, you know, inexpensive posters that said SJ Properties now available and just started advertising and advertising what we were doing. And people started noticing, like, what are these people doing downtown? You know, and then people would approach us for spots and then we just really kind of took it from there. I kind of feel like, I mean, I really hadn't thought about what you had asked before, but as you're talking, I was thinking about the community vision, visioning sessions that mm-hmm. we had done during the revitalized process and like identifying, like when you ask people, what do you love about your community? What is unique? What do you not like? And like challenging like different people in the community to start thinking about that. And it, and then really aligning, like we found a whole group, what was it like 40 artists in our community oh, wow. that mm-hmm. we didn't even know about mm-hmm. so from this now we have an art committee and you know we have like seven or eight murals in town right. and that is specific to a group of people who are passionate about that so i think for me it was probably that moment of bringing somebody from the outside in and yeah. touching people that maybe hadn't been in the conversation before yeah, um that's kind of i don't yeah. know because it's not her and I that are sure. making. I mean, at this right. point, there is right. so many, like, spot-on, A-plus people in our community that are doing good things. I yeah. mean, like, one of the people from our community visioning sessions um, has a business in town and has taken uh, the Big Muddy Monster Brew Fest and head-on took it over, and it has made it successful. So, you know, there's just it's so many different people that, that have it was, made it uh, was. It was strategic in trying to also recruit people that put them in a place where their passion is. Mm-hmm. You don't, not everyone wants to join Main Street. Not everyone maybe wants to join Chamber, but you know, the arts, and that's their specialty, and that's what they do. And finding people and finding young individuals that, what do you like to do? And then finding a spot that they can feel as though they can be in and their element. I know you have like a core group of people that do the planters on main street. Yes. That was and that's kind what of they love first. to do. Yes. They, mm-hmm. you know, they, they love to do that and, and putting, um, finding people that's businesses fit in your spot. Also, I think it is key. You know, main street isn't necessarily for everyone, for everyone's business, um, to put in. And I think now, I don't know if my turning point was until after maybe COVID because, um, the apartments was something we had not started on yet. And, um, realizing that people um, can move back to a small town. People were on the coast. People were far away and moved away from Southern Illinois to find good paying jobs. And when COVID happened, a lot of them can work from home. And so now we have this demand for um, young individuals and, and business um, business people wanting to rent downtown loft ap- apartments. And now we we can't get them ready fast enough because now they've moved back to the area and they want to plant a seed, you know, back in our community. And so trying to, to, um, do that to accommodate, I think is going to be a huge change. So that turning point after COVID for me was like, listen, 
we have people that are moving back to small communities for a reason. Their families are here. They want to. They want to come here. If we don't get it ready, we're going to miss the boat, and we can't miss the boat. Yeah. We're seeing that all over Southern Illinois. People, whether it's them moving back or discovering the region for the first time, just the beauty of it, the quality of life, the lower cost of living. As you mentioned, being able to walk down the street and your kids know people and you know people. It's just a wonderful community, you know, a sense of community. And I think that's what you all described and everyone finding their place mm -hmm. as well, right? So we've talked a lot about successes. It sounds like this has just been one success after another <laughs> and this is kind of smooth going, right? But I know from talking to the two of you that it has not been without its challenges. So I don't know if you want to share about challenges, but, or just in general. Oh yeah, let's you get know, some gritty details. <laughs> but people who own businesses experience challenges. So how do you get through those? Talk about that. Day by day. <laughs> um, well, I would say my biggest challenge right now is like keeping it going, like keeping the vision and focus and like endurance. You know what I'm saying? Because it's real easy to get sidetracked with bad distractions mm. of maybe it's, you know, somebody like talking bad about what you're doing, or it could be uh, you have a huge water leak in your building. You know what I'm saying? It can, and then it can weigh you down. And it's really just about pushing through. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I probably deal yeah. with as far as challenges, but um, nothing's been unfixable to yeah, this point. There's a great book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. We're about yeah. to do it. I have that on We're my about list. to do it at Mastermind here. There you and go. And so it's exactly yes. what you just talked about. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think we, <laughs> we're going through one now, actually. Um, I think it's one of those things where it could easily change your mindset when you're trying to do great things and it's one, two steps forward, four steps back. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an impatient person by nature and so I want to snap my fingers and everything be ready and done and this uh, business has taught me that that's just not how that goes. Um, we have dealt, I think, simultaneously with a um, sewer pipe bust, uh, water pipe bust, and um, we actually had uh, in our last renovation, the building that I was talking about, our, our biggest one yet, um, had a contractor uh, walk without finishing the project and, uh, and ruining partial of what was done. And so that's, we're dealing with that right now. And that's, that's been hard because all progress stops. You can't go forward. You can't. You can't, and so now we're experiencing loss of in business, loss of income because we can't move forward to fix up the next space. And so it's very easy to get into that rut of, you know, how am I going to get past this? How am I, you know, I just trusted someone with money that didn't come easy, that money that's not just rolling in from all these places. And it's been hard to navigate that um, to say what next um how do we how do we approach this how do we move forward how do we just not say you know what maybe we shouldn't be doing this mm -hmm. Hmm. and um because that's that's what crosses your mind and i just keep thinking that no matter how we figure this out no matter how we go forward that if we don't that we are going to ruin all the things that we have done up to this point and, and showing our town, our leadership, our administration, and the, you know, the people that are wanting to do 
come to to come to Murfreesboro that we're just going to give up and kind of let it die. And we just, I'm not willing to let that happen. Do I know what's going to happen with that? No. Um, We're taking it day by day. We're trying to dip into maybe some grant opportunities so that will help fill that gap while we're waiting on how we're going to be able to um, to solve the, the situation. Um, but it, it is challenging in the fact that since we do have other full-time jobs and raising kids that, mm-hmm. you know, we can't devote those those days to, to grant writing and to, sure. you know, going out. It, it's in our free time and the free time is, is limited. Yeah. Right. So um, the challenges of that, I feel like people's opinions of what you're doing. Um, I think people have misconceptions when they don't know you. Um, of what you're about and what you're trying to do. And um, social media is a great tool and it's been a great tool for our town and our, our business and progress. Um, but it's also a tool that people have used, I think, to somewhat um, form opinions about you and, and what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think in having this business since 2018 um, and then being a, a leader in Main Street, uh, you have to really just try to be the best person you can with your integrity and the way that you carry yourself right. and uh, not burning bridges and, and trying to just let people know that you're trying to do the best that you can in a way that you're trying to be fair and you're, right. you're trying to support everyone, but also keep yourself afloat. Okay, so and I have so, another mm, burning question. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Relevant to me again. Sorry, self. Okay, that's okay. But, okay, so... In revitalization, downtown revitalization, you're bringing a lot of elements in. You're bringing politics in because you mentioned the mayor. You guys have a fantastic mayor in Will Stevens. And then, I guess, a city council or commissioner type of government. So there's some politics there that you need them on board. And then you have churches and other nonprofits and, you know, they're investors too. And then you have the small business owners and maybe some corporations that are much larger. How do you balance all that? Because you would think that everybody has their own idea once you get get moving of what needs to go. But how do you like bring people together and not really make it into a political squabble of what's best? Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I do. And I don't. I guess I look at it pretty positively. I haven't really head on dealt with that. Like, cause I feel like at the end of the day, we're trying to accomplish the same goal. Like mm-hmm. we don't care who that has to deal with or what we have to do. Like, and I, I feel like a lot of people have that same mentality. So, and you know, even like city council and church leaders, like that should, it's all the same goal. Right. You know what I mean? And sometimes people participate and some don't. But you and guys I think have that's a, really you guys have an abundance been. mindset. It's very mm-hmm. apparent, but scarcity mindset is the opposite, and that's yeah. difficult to, in small towns. It right? is mm-hmm. as it is everywhere. Yeah, I think we've had to um, really try to step back a little bit and and be very open to the fact of you know a lot of small towns have this feel um, that if you weren't born and raised there, you're not part of it. And you have a really hard time with outsiders coming in and try to establish because you have these people that say that, whoa, this is how we've always done it. And that's been challenging because that's changing people's mindset of if we don't open ourselves up to people coming in, we're, we're not going to stay afloat as a town and as a community. That's been, um, I don't 
think it's majority of people do it on purpose. It's just nature that they're protective of our town and, and they remember what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's very hard sometimes to open up, you know, their mindsets to a new way of business, to the way that the world is kind of going in business. Um, I think city council, um, we've had to just show them that it's worth it. And we continue to have to show them. I think their minds have been changed on several of um, the events that we've done. And I I always pinpoint the first one because I don't like the word no. And I kept getting the word no was when we decided to decorate the town for Christmas. And it literally started by a Facebook post. Mm -hmm. Someone said, man, our town looks real grinchy Mm. (laughs) when you come into town. And I saw it. And I commented on it and I was like, maybe we should do something about it. And it formed this Murfreesboro hometown Christmas Mm -hmm. that is, has now for the past six years, maybe. I mean, we have a town tree lighting and everyone looks forward to it. Families come and that's what, you know, that's what they do in our town. So it, it has been one of those things where you have to just change their mind, but talking about it isn't going to do it. We've had to lead by example. Yeah. We've had to, show it and and that's made i think that's brought sacrifice a lot to us and our families um i could argue arguably say that i probably should be at home more um you know with our family but our kids i think are old enough now that we're starting to now be able to bring um them out with us and do things and when i was asked to revitalize i guess or restore main street i had a baby that was three months old and it was our third so i didn't know which way was up and i Mm. remember saying no and then going home and thinking what we have to do this i have we have to find a way to do this because this could be the start of something sure you know if i've learned anything you can't rely i mean you have to be you're going to ask somebody to do something you should be willing to do it yourself yeah and that's kind of what pushed me through, you know, was that's what people are going to take away from it is people walking the walk and talking the talk. And I think that just goes back full circle to what the two of you mentioned at the very start was that you can either be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. So for listeners out there who love their small towns and um, maybe they are balancing a young family or full-time jobs like the two of you are, Um, What advice would you give to them or encouragement would you give to them to be part of the solution? Well, I was just thinking about this actually in the car as I was walking through my um, or listening to my my audible. Um, if, If there's one thing that everybody can do. I feel like we can start with stop negatively talking about hmm. our communities Good in Southern point. Illinois. Like, like actually spin it. Like, let's positively talk about it. And what are the good things to talk about? And I feel like, especially with social media, negativity has such a big space in the arena, and people just, I mean, thrive mm-hmm. on negativity. But if you can start the dialogue of positivity, mm-hmm. it's really contagious. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... You know, you almost have to fake it till you make it sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. with that. And I just, I feel like just words are so powerful. And it yeah. costs nothing. It costs nothing. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That's the one right. thing I could say that everybody can do. Right. Because then it affects all of us. Yeah. Then we all win. That's good Craig mm-hmm. Rochelle, right? It, uh, it yes. starts by speaking, right? Uh-huh. And changes your mindset mm-hmm. and then your behavior after that. So that's excellent. Yeah. 
I would I definitely that would be my number one um, because I think that has just shown in us doing that for the last five or six years what an impact that that's that's had um, I would I would tell um, probably other people you know because when I when people talk to me about it it's normally a financial thing well, I can't do this I don't have that kind of money like you do and I'm like what money? <laughs> oh, I tell everybody, I'm like, I and am a normal average yes. person. If I can do it, anybody yes. can Yes. And so, you know, think outside the box. You know, it costs nothing to get a group of people together in your community at a space and figure out how you want to make your first move, whether it's landscaping or cleaning up something or offering help to someone that costs nothing and then build off of that. Second thing I would say is there's always people that feel how you feel, but they may be, they may have done their time in their community and felt mm-hmm. as though, you know, I, I did that when I was younger. It's time for someone else. Find those people's network and have those conversations, and you may find an investor that is willing to feel as though their their time has passed on wanting to be out there and putting themselves out there, mm-hmm. but they have the funds to be able to get something started in your town that could really literally change it. Mm-hmm. And and that's probably the most of what I hear when people say, I can't do what you're doing because I don't have the money. Yeah. We didn't have the money either. And I can tell you when you start looking and you start thinking about changing your town or buying a building or trying to revitalize something in your town and make a difference, you have to give it time to mm-hmm. be able to figure out. We literally when we were debating on whether to buy these buildings, we knew we had to pay the money to get them inspected. Because if the inspection was bad, then there was our answer. Mm-hmm. We knew that this wasn't something that we should go and do. We got back the inspection and it was good, it was stable. And so then we thought, well, now what? Now what are we gonna do? Like we have to have down payment to be able to, do, where's that gonna come from? And you know, you just, things work themselves out um, my husband had had a great year at his company, and they decided to um, send a, a bonus in the mail that was almost to the exact dollar hmm. of what we needed to purchase these buildings. And we didn't have a plan after that. Yeah. We just had a plan that we felt as though this was a sign that we should do it, and we should make the first move and uh, pray that it works after. Yeah, there's a lot of faith and trust there. <laughs> there That's is. Right. There is. But take your time. I mean, jump That's in, right. but... Um, you know, do take some time to really map out what you what your goal is. Yeah. Well, and and then just like you know, I was dead set on this coffee shop, and and a lot of it's with timing and stuff, and then to to get to accomplish the same goal but with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like I just I don't know. I just really believe that you know things happen for a reason and yeah. things like that. It that the coffee shop stemmed from me literally asking him i worked with him at my previous job calling him and asking him if he knew anybody that would want to open up a coffee shop in murfreesboro and he was like well wait i might want to <laughs> like what are you doing and we're, i'm like well you know he wasn't from murfreesboro mm-hmm. well come over let's have dinner let's walk let's show you a few like let's show you what we mean and again it was in shambles i mean mm-hmm. you have to have a vision when you look at these buildings because Looking in is not turnkey. Yeah. 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 Is there anything else that we may have not asked that you guys want to cover today? 
trying to think. I was thinking about something and I forgot what it was. I would say um, shrink your circle. Shrink your circle. You cannot please every mm-hmm. single person. And, um, you know, I was used to <clears throat> feeling as though I could, um, even moving back um, in my early 30s, um, which I think it's been 11 years ago now that we moved back. Um, and the circle started out very big. Um, and there's nothing wrong with shrinking that circle down to a few people that you can trust, that you can um, bounce ideas off of and have the same passion as you. Because I felt as there was nothing more that we could have just changed our mind very easily than keeping the same uh, circle of people that were bringing us down and and Hmm. constantly telling us, what you're doing is never going to work. Mm-hmm. What you're doing, we had admin- some people in administration tell us that. We had some people, business owners tell us that. I had lots of people telling us that what we were doing was never going to work. And still a few maybe like to chime in and, mm-hmm. you know, come in my office at any given day to just tell me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I would probably say that find your people, find your circle. It's never the group of people I had in my 20s in my 30s and now getting ready to go you know beyond that has changed and it's not been a bad thing there are going to be people that are going to cheer you on and there are going to be people that want to tag along and bring you back down Mm -hmm. and you just have to find that one person or a few people for to to have that camaraderie with and to take with you on the journey that's going to think like you and that that's huge that's key yeah i would say my last one would be the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, so I would challenge everybody to say what, and this is what I tell our CEO students. Like when I talk about community involvement is what can you, like, what do you see a need for? Cause I always ask them like, go through like some different questions and how can you make that reality? Like people that move away from Southern Illinois, like for what reason, what is it that they're looking for that that is not here and how can we be a part of making it that I just feel like it it just takes a village and awesome yeah so plug ceo because you mentioned mm-hmm. it twice now people oh, okay. may not know what that is right. oh gosh well um jackson ceo is one of them um i also help with or i've spoken to the randolph county startup and basically it's a collaboration of different school students like in jackson county it's um the four high schools and the students come together and they create a business and they present a business plan at the end of the year and it's phenomenal. So I always talk about like, it's really funny. It's about split. Like half of them like want to move away and then half of them want to stay here. But through the years, more of them are saying they want to stay here. And so I always talk about, you know, what a great, you know, assets we have here with community colleges and a university right here in our backyard. Like, and if you want to really start a business, why not choose here? Yeah. So I just kind of challenge everybody with those questions. Awesome. How would people get a hold of each mm-hmm. of you if they're interested in downtown Murfreesboro or your businesses? Um, it's kind of a little bit of everything with me. I mean, like I said, I have people walk in my insurance building all the time wanting to talk to me about something with the town. So, you know, I'm on um, I'm on Facebook and, and Instagram and SJ Properties is usually how I tell people to contact and, and find us there. And, and we post progress of what we're doing to give people a little idea of, of kind of our approach. Um, you know, people will... Um, 
Murfreesboro Main Street at Gmail is where, you know, I, I try to keep some businesses separate um, from each other. And so we tell people to contact us. Our Main Street Facebook page is another one that people um, get, a, get a hold of. So um, I get teased that we need an office at the city administration building yeah. to be able to figure out yeah. how to get a hold of us. But um, so we just we just kind of take it where we see yeah. people. And yes, yeah, social media is Right. Well, <clears throat> Walnut Street Properties LLC is my mm-hmm. Instagram page. I'm not on uh, Facebook personally. I'd say admin at revitalize62966.com or my personal bguthman28 at gmail.com. Yeah. I mean, we're always available and open to talk to anybody that we can help with. If we can help, we will. Excellent. So, um, Brooke and Jamie. Brooke and Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so the much. The dynamic duo. This was excellent. <laughs> yeah. Why the green? I agree. So Let my your business, last name. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. People, that, people saying that too. I don't even think of that, honestly, but my country financial business is green. That's our logo yeah. colors. And so I, I have a lot of red and I have a lot of green, but I, because red is Murfreesboro, you know, we have the Apple Festival every year that I, I feel like we're known for. And, but you can't wear red and green at the same time because that's like I'm a walking Christmas tree. So <laughs> I have to split that as, as wherever I go. So because of it, I guess being March and St. Patrick's Day and it's, my last name, and I'm just checking all the boxes here with the green. <laughs> Mine's just a coincidence. coincidence. <laughs> well, I mentioned the dynamic duo. I, I think yeah. there are a lot of dynamic duos out there, and hopefully your story has inspired them today to step up. You know, Maybe it's not purchasing and renovating mm-hmm. buildings or revitalizing their downtown, but it's just making a difference in their community. So Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Well, thank you again for watching and listening to Small Town Big Business. Mm-hmm. And thank you for to our sponsors. That includes Arcadia Wealth Group, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, the Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Fowler Heating and Cooling, Swinford Media Group, and again, Luke O'Neill at Union Starts for again making us look and sound so good. If you want to know more about Ethos, we're a small business incubator, co-working spaces, training and development here in downtown Marion. You can contact me, I'm Russell Williams, and you can contact me at russell at watermarkethos.org or look for us on Facebook, Ethos at the Citadel at Tower Square Plaza. And I'm Deb Barnett with Southern Illinois Now, or SI Now. You can find us at southerneillinoisnow.org and all the social media platforms as well. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to Small Town Big Business on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find us to not only listen, but watch us live on YouTube. Just search Small Town Big Business and don't forget to subscribe for free. I'm Russ Williams. And I'm Deb Barnett. Thanks for joining us for Small Town Big Business.